Hello and welcome to Identity Crisis with Pam and Traysana. I'm Pam. And I'm Traysana. And this is a podcast where we discuss different facets of our identity and how it changes through time. Oh shit, bitch, you did that without looking at the thing. You know that straight memory. I do. Hey. <laughs> All right, you can follow us on Instagram at I... Ooh. You can follow us on Instagram at Identity Crisis PT and Twitter at IC underscore Pam Traysana. Yeah. So did you do the thing you said you were going to do last week? Absolutely not. What did you even say? It's like, just it's, not happening. You said you were going to work out, right? Yeah, I no. went biking one day. Yeah. You went biking yesterday it to counts. Home Depot. It you got winded leaving the Home Depot. You're really going to out me? <laughs> How dare you? You got to start working out with me. This you is so go rude. She's calling me fat on this podcast. Whoa. Oh, no. I'm backing out of this conversation. Yeah, you should. That was rude. I'm offended. Disrespected. You're offended by everything. Anyway, whatever. I'll work out one of these days. We're just No, I think that I'm just going to start forcing you to go on daily bike rides with me. I'm okay with that. Okay, then that's what I'm going to do. Okay, great. Thank you. Anyways, I didn't do what I said I was going to do either. <laughs> what, what did he say? I was going to work on that painting, I think is what I said. Oh, I, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't do it. Okay. But I do have enough snack um, wrappers now that I, like when I start, I'll have a lot to work with. Okay, well, that's good. So basically, I kind of was working on the piece because all this week I ate mad snacks. And so... <laughs> so let's just make... Whatever we say our goal is for the week, let's make it as realistic as possible. I mean... At the end of this episode. But it... Okay. All right. Let's think about realism. Yes. All right. So, this episode, we are going to be talking about the new normal, also known as reopening, also known as breaking quarantine. Yeah. The thing is, we live in New York City, so we're still very much not fully opened as I've seen other states be. Yeah. I know I still have some friends in in Georgia and last night they were out at a club like bouncing and partying like nothing ever happened. Oh wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's so much. I was like so coronavirus doesn't exist. But like she do and she's gonna get your ass. So let's just let's just get let's just get into it. Yeah, I just haven't seen any numbers. Recently. I haven't seen any numbers either. So, how long have you been in quarantine slash lockdown? Um, I left work. I think it was the fifteenth of March, mm-hmm. and I haven't been back. So, so okay. So March sixteenth was the day that, that was the last day. Yeah, that we were out, and like we because we went to the grocery store that day. We had like we, I had school that week. I'd shot some of my final film, assuming that I'd be able to come back you know, and like edit it and like all of that shit. Um, and then the world is like, I don't know what happened specifically to like, it was just slowly New York was like sort of closing and everybody was sort of getting the hint that like, yeah, you shouldn't be out and about anymore. We got it a little bit faster than everyone else. So we were like March 16th to the last day. We went and did grocery shopping. We, I think we rode the train. Yeah, I think it was a slow um, progression to that moment though, because I do remember at least a week or two before that, I was on the news constantly. And I knew friends who, in their jobs, they were already trying to figure out what the transition would be to work from home mm-hmm. because we all, like, felt it building up to yeah. that. See, I was at the school at the time, and my school was very much so like, no, everything's fine. 
no, you guys are going to, you're going to go on spring break and then you're going to come back and then we'll see. And then it was like that Friday or whatever. They were like, okay, so actually, um, we're going to have you guys just go ahead, go early, just go spring oh break, go. And then, um, you're not going to have classes for a week after that. And then you'll come back and it'll be great. And so it was very much so like they were like putting it off. Um, but I remember that, that, that last week it was like, a lot of people were like canceling their classes being like, you know what, just don't come. Or, yeah. Like, you know, all of that shit. And like, it was just very, because I remember filming when I was filming, that was the, that Thursday before. And the like ladies that let me into the building, cause I was filming on campus, they left early and they were like, just slide the keys under the door. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was also building up fear for everybody. Nobody really wanted to leave their homes. Mm-mm. No, because I would say I would say that we went in early, like because people still did go on spring break, like oh. in this in the coming weeks after after we stopped going out, there were still people going out and like like there was like a fear. But I don't think that people really were scared until like a couple weeks later when people started dying. Wow. Yeah, I think I experienced that differently. <laughs> I didn't know anybody who was going out. It was like immediate. Well, I don't know. So that time period, it was very like dark and like, you know, like things were, things were slowing down and then they completely slowed down for us. So we, we went in, when we went in on March 16th, we didn't, we didn't come back out. I think that we, we did our final grocery run that day. And then after that, we really tried not to go out. I think that there was one day that I realized we didn't have any like, um, like pharmacy supplies or any of that. And you ha- were having some sort of like. Well, actually, I think that was the day before or two days before we actually quarantined. No. That it was the Friday. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was after we decided we were staying in. It was like that week after. No, I remember this. Okay. I'm telling you you're wrong. Well, I'm Because I remember I was the one who broke quarantine to go out. It's scary shit. But no, okay. Because there was. So to explain this to the audience that is listening. There was one day, and it was a Friday, the Friday that I was still supposed to go into work, that I got this cough out of nowhere at like five in the morning, and it didn't go away, and then I lost my voice, and I was freaking the fuck out, because I was like, oh my god, I shouldn't have left home this week, I've got coronavirus, I'm gonna die, like, yeah. Mind you, we had already had coronavirus. (laughs) We had already, like, because I think we haven't mentioned it yet that we did have it. And at this point, there's no way to prove for certain that we had it because they weren't testing for antibodies. um, And you lose, you lose the antibodies after two months. And so they didn't start testing for antibodies until I think three months or so after the initial outbreaks. Yeah. So it was like everybody who had had it during that initial, like. January, February. January, February stage. Like, you'll just never know. But I'm pretty sure we had it just because of the way the symptoms came on and then how long we were sick and like the way it passed. Because I remember the exact moment that my friend Alex Juarez gave me coronavirus. And then we have a picture of the exact moment that I gave it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember (laughs) the symptoms exactly. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I was dying. Like something came into me (laughs) and started killing me from the inside. And it was weird because it was February that we experienced these symptoms. Yeah. And I had already been sick like twice since the beginning of the year. And I'm not one to get sick like that constantly. 
I maybe get a couple colds a year, maybe like a little bit of allergies and things like that. But I don't get fully sick that much. And I was like, wow, my immune system really just didn't want to come to 2020. And now looking back, I'm like, okay, nobody's immune system came to 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically, we were taking it very seriously. I literally, like, I look back on those times and I literally felt like I was living in like an apocalypse movie. Like, yeah. Like I would go to the grocery store all strapped up with like the mask on. Pam started making masks at home. So we have plenty. Um, I was washing my hands. I had this, Pam had the, the hand sanitizer on deck, still does. You know, like we were, we were really fucking on it. Like yeah, all of our friends were like, changed. oh my God, you guys are taking it so seriously. What was the first time you broke quarantine? Uh, it was to go to Miami for what was it, a week, two weeks for my dad's birthday and my brother's graduation. All right. Can you give like a time frame so people know? Yeah, it was around late June, early July. So mm-hmm. it coincided with the 4th of July. I think I came back the next day and then around Father's Day is when I first left. Yeah, and I also left during that time period. I had my friend Eric drive up from Virginia here. Um, We, like, went on a hike, but we were very much so, like, avoiding the fuck out of people while we were here. And then I went back down with him the following week. And then I came back up on, like, the 4th. Like, the exact, like, but I took a plane. So it was, like, I was able to avoid being in, like, a lot of contact with people while I was here. But then once I went back home, like my mom ate out every night. Like it's just a completely different Corona culture um, everywhere else other than New York city. Like I think New York city was very much so taking it seriously. And even the people who weren't, it was like, there was a shame attached to it, especially during that time specifically. Yeah. Uh, There was a shame attached to it where it was like, where's your mask buddy? You know, (laughs) but like, and then because we heard the sirens every night, I think that like, it's also like the fact that there's so many people in the city living in such a small encounter, like you felt people were dying. Like it was, it was heavy. Yeah. April was heavy. My, my boss was telling me and he lives in like downtown Brooklyn area. He experienced and like watched an ambulance go and pick up people that had died in their apartments yeah and i think that's true for a lot of people that stayed in new york like you just hear the sirens and some people see what the ambulances go and do yeah it was heavy it was a heavy time period people were just dying and you everybody had like a one degree two degree separation from somebody who had died from this disease yeah it was it was heavy. crazy. Yeah. It was really heavy. And I think that so like for us, when we were like, we're going to break it one for me, I broke it to surprise my mom. Yeah, because like, I hadn't seen her in a while. And like, it's, you know, I'm very my family's very close knit. Like we always we go and see each other. Like I I've seen them like at least once a semester the whole time I've been in school. Right. You know. Um, or it was like, I would, I would literally leave as soon as school ended, I would leave and go home. So it was like, at this point, I hadn't seen my family since since the fall, I think. And so it was just like, I missed them. I missed them so bad. And so I didn't get to see anybody for my birthday, which was in May. So I had a quarantine birthday. And so for me, I was like, okay, if I can, one, I was mostly worried about taking shit to my parents, you know, and giving them, giving them the virus. So I was like, if I have this friend come up here, take me down, like, then I won't be, I won't be spreading too much of like that shit. Yeah. And at this point, we've already been quarantined for at least three months. Yeah. So I was like, I don't think that I'll, I don't think that I'll catch it on my way down there if I do it this way. 
And then um, once I was already down there, I was like, fuck, man, how are you guys living like this? <laughs> you're fucking, you're yeah. around people all the time. My mom like wouldn't wear, she was like going to pick up food from Chili's or some shit. Um, and so I was sitting in the car next to her and I literally, as soon as she opened the window, I put my mask on. Yeah. And then I, you know, I saw the woman coming to bring us food. I put my mask on and I'm looking at my mom. She doesn't want to, I'm like, put your mask on. She's like, why? I'm in my car. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but this person who doesn't know us is coming to the car. Like you could give her. Yeah. You know, like you're breathing on her. Like you, it, it was like the, the way that we were like diligently looking at the news, figuring out the facts you know knowing what, what what can we do to to stop us spreading the disease they weren't worried about that at like, all they didn't know what yeah. the fuck they were like oh i wear the mask because i got one that says um black lives matter on it yeah. and mine looks <laughs> and cute. i look cute yeah yeah i will say at the beginning before we quarantined i was really so ready to work from home and i was ready to just go to miami and work from home there yeah i'll be fucking in the sunlight i'll get warm because it was still freaking cold here that's true um and i'll just work from there until this passes that was my first impression but Mm -hmm. then as it progressed and we saw how serious it really was i was like absolutely not like in new york it's really heavy right now i could have it i was just hanging out with somebody from westchester westchester was the yeah the epicenter yeah so even if I don't, if I don't feel the symptoms, I you could, could be, be asymptomatic. 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 Yeah, <laughs> and I could carry it over to my family, and my entire family, literally besides me, is immunodeficiency. I don't know how to say that. Immunodeficient. Word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They all have asthma and have other underlying issues that I luckily don't have. Yeah. So, so it's like if I was going to get it, I'll them, be fine. Yeah. No, that's that's so real. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we broke quarantine to go visit our family members uh, because we desperately missed them. I think that it was also June for me personally was a really heavy month. I mentioned before, like there was a lot of uh, death, a lot of black death. And so me being away from my family was like just causing like that to just be so much worse because I was like yeah. anything could happen to any of my family members and I wouldn't have seen them for like an extended period of time. Right. You know, and so it was just really sad. So we sort of, we were, we were like, you know what? We've earned this. Let's yeah. go see our family. And we'll be as cautious as possible. And I think we were. I think the, where I felt the most at risk was the airplane. Yeah. And the airport, not so much, but there were times that it, like people lining up to get into the plane that I felt risk. But even in Miami, I was just at home. Like, it didn't even feel like I was in Miami. I was just sitting in the house. In the house yeah. Hanging out with my mom and my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's all you needed, you know? Yeah. But, so, then, we came, We both came back. I came back the day before Pam did on a plane. And I had to take two planes. I took one from Richmond to uh, D.C. DC. And then from D.C. to New York. The one from Richmond to D.C. was small. It was a really small plane. But... And I looked up, so there was nobody next to me, and then there was nobody across from me. Right. And then they were already doing, like, nobody in the seats in front or behind you. So I was, like, really lucky. I had, like, a nice cushion of, like, six feet every direction. Yeah. You know? Um, And then I got to D.C., and the D.C. to New York York. train was, like, they were, like, we don't give a fuck. Right. Some, Some giant man sat next to me, and so he was just 
in my space. Yeah. And I was like, all right, this is fine. Like, it's totally fine. And then the rest of the plane filled up as well. Like, it was like, everybody was just there. And I was just sort of like, and then there was we're like all also, breathing each other's air. We're all breathing each other's air. There's not really a lot of like, because they have the little vents. But still. There was like water dripping on me from like the ice they put in the vents. It Ew. was just, it was, I just didn't feel clean. Yeah. And so, you know, and this this man is like breathing all on me. And I, I was just like, I was like, ah. And then also there was turbulence. I think there was like a thunderstorm or some shit that day. So there was turbulence on the flight. It was literally just so uncomfortable. So everybody's like, ah! breathing every fucking. Yeah. It was just, it was terrible. And then I get, I get to uh, LaGuardia. I take the M60 back home and it was like, it was really empty, luckily. So That's like I you. just got home, took off all my clothes, got in the shower and then just laid in bed. But it was, for, no, because it was 4th of July night. So then I like went up to the roof and like all the fucking fireworks being set off. Right. But it was just making me anxious. Yeah. 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 Um, the plane situation was really bad for me. I think I left as New York was getting better and I got to Miami as Miami was getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, everybody in New York wanted to go to Miami at the same time and everybody in Miami wanted to go to New York at the same time. It was terrible. The planes were completely packed there was no such thing as separating seats they even before they had announced it they were already doing like filling up the planes at full capacity it was really annoying i got lucky the first flight because luckily the person next to me there was not a person next to me so i had like i was at the window seat there wasn't anybody in the middle and then there was somebody in the aisle so I had that little separation, but that was it. I did have somebody in front of me. I had somebody behind me. It was like a little cushion of safety, but barely. Yeah. And then the flight back to New York, it was so bad. It was so bad. I think I got stuck with like a middle seat or an aisle seat, I would say. I think an aisle seat. But the person next to me like was eating kept taking off their mask to drink water, kept standing up to go to the bathroom. Like, I literally had touched, like, multiple people in this one flight during coronavirus. The person, like, next to me and, like, a little across from me was didn't have his mask on right the whole entire ride, and nobody said anything. It was, like, a mask too big for his face, so it, like, just was below his nose. Yeah, that sucks. <sighs> it was awful. And then taking the M60, I wasn't as fortunate. It was fucking packed. At least, like, as we rode here, it was packed or became packed. And people weren't, like, I think somebody got in without not even, like, a mask near him. <laughs> like, and there was not no even mask. Not the mask on the, on the elbow bit? Yeah. Damn. It was terrible. Yeah. So I came and showered. Yeah. So what are your rules um, or guidelines for when you do go out? Okay. So now that we're starting to go out, I think we at are, least yeah, once a week. Yeah. We're starting to go out more. Yeah. I'm trying to see people. Well, I've only taken the train once. So one of my first guidelines is avoid trains at all avoid costs. Trains at all costs. Avoid buses at all costs. Yeah. If public transportation, try to use a ferry. But yeah. But the thing is, is like... The ferry, because we did a beach trip uh, last month or something like that. Yeah. And it was like. Not better. It wasn't better. So yeah. it's like, the but the ferry is a better option just because it's like. Out. 
it's out and you're able to breathe. It's like the fresh air option. But it's not entirely better. But we can talk about transportation in a second. Just keep going. Okay. And then I always leave with mask. I always I have my little carabiner that has my um, hand sanitizer. sanitizer on me at all times. So if I touch something, I go to Home Depot, I go to the store, I like put hand sanitizer after opening the door. Um, and then I try to stay as far away from people as possible. And I, the time we went to Ikea, I literally had my tape measure. Yeah. So <laughs> don't get near me. Yeah. I'll bite. I promise. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would say that I, when I first, cause I've been going to like protests and shit. And so like, I've been really good about like all of that stuff. And now these days I feel myself relaxing. And I don't know, like, what's doing that. But, like, because I used to just get mad anxiety about being outside. And, like, now I don't anymore. And, like, I don't know. It's getting to the point where it's, like, if I, if, you know, obviously if nobody's near me on the street, if I'm on a street by myself, I'll bring the mask down a little just because it's, like, sweaty. (laughs) And, like, I want to be able to breathe. And then as soon as I see somebody, I put put it back back on. Like, I'm really good about, like, not being around new people without my mask on. Um, just cause out of sign of respect, cause it's not going to save me anything. I can right. still catch it, but you know, I'll, you know, a sign of respect of like, Hey, I'm not going to give you my germs. Cause that's what the mask means. Um, but like guidelines wise, um, I try not to, we're not, we're not throwing parties. We're really only hanging around people that we are like close with, with that we're already, you know, so we had had a party, like a little get together of like what five, what four, four friends, five people. Yeah, so we didn't we didn't breach ten, um, and we had that on our roof. And so then later and the on, the first thing we talked about was like how, like, oh, did you get tested? Did you get tested? Like, how did it go? Yeah, <laughs> how are you? What are your results? No, but then so then the next time when we did go out when we went on the bus or when we went on the the subway, yeah. we were going to see those friends. So we had already been in contact with them. And then like the other the only other time we hung out, we recently had people in our apartment. That was a new development. That was a new development. But it was our neighbors. But it was our neighbors. And so they've already been in the building, so we already shared germs with them. Um and then you know, we cleaned off the table, we you know uh, we disinfected, you know, after. Yeah, before and after. Before and after. So you know, I, I feel like no big parties. Like, I'm not going to anybody's venue anytime soon. Yeah, I'm not going to a rooftop with people that I, I don't feel comfortable yeah, I'm not, with. I'm not pa- I'm not patroning anybody's rooftop bar anytime soon. Um, yeah, I think that's my biggest thing. I, I'm starting to feel crazy because everybody's doing it yeah. and I'm not. And I'm just like, so many people died. And this could start peaking at any moment i don't want to be in a situation where i'm like oh shit maybe i have it well they're saying it's it's this weekend is is like a possible like hot weekend because well, it's yeah, labor day it's labor and day everybody's labor day parties are fucking lit so I we'll remember. see we'll will we will see hopefully not but so my main role is not to go like the outside dining it's just not gonna happen yeah and we live on Steinway and like yesterday, um, I was like walking with a friend. I was taking my friend to the subway and like walking down Steinway. It's like, it's terrible. Like I couldn't imagine actually living in front of those hookah bars. Like, yeah. because the thing is people literally blowing smoke in your face as you're trying to make it down the street. So like you can't even avoid it because yeah. they're on either side of the sidewalk. And it's, it's just like, it's just one of the most selfish things I've ever seen. Right. It's like going to a hookah bar 
an outdoor seated hookah bar on the street in the middle <laughs> of a respiratory pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I think the issues are the the guidelines aren't being followed and nobody really knows what the guidelines are anymore. Yeah. Um because at the beginning we all knew masks and 6 feet and that's what I th- I think they still are and they should be. But I was under the impression that things would have capacity limits. Yeah. Like you could only be at 50% or 25% or whatever percent. I know the gyms are having capacity. Like anything that's open in New York City indoors has a capacity. But then I don't think six feet is being enforced as much. But it's also people don't really know what six feet looks like. Yeah. And that's a huge problem. It's understandable. I like as an architect, I can sort of picture six feet but a regular person yeah just like looking across they're like three feet six feet same thing yeah <laughs> yeah and so there's no way to enforce these guidelines and there's no way for people to enforce them amongst themselves no that's true and i just don't trust people that's yeah. another people problem aren't like to be trusted one thing that i've learned from this whole entire experience is that people are not to be trusted yeah because they usually suck and it's not like their intentions are all bad like i don't think people's intentions are bad i just think one there's not enough information for people to actually care anymore and two the guidelines aren't being enforced so there's no real restrictions no when 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 steinway opened up i was mad at the the government for letting them do it i'm not mad at the people we've been in lockdown for months at this point like why would you blame someone for wanting to go out i don't blame the people and outdoor dining is being executed the same way indoor dining would be. So it's like you're not you're like three feet away from the next party. Barely. Like barely. you have somebody behind you. Like it's still the same. The thing waiters going are going indoor. in between tables, so it really doesn't even matter. And also, it's a respiratory disease. So if you're if you're close to people and the wind is a blowing. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Like I think that nobody's really thinking about the fact that this is an airborne illness. So even if you're in close proximity, like even if you were six feet away from the next outdoor seated table, you're outside. Like you're, you're breathing. Like and if that it's a- should technically make it better, but the way they've enclosed these outside places. Yeah, with the, no, exactly. It's, yeah, because it's not open air. It's, yeah. it, they have tents over all of them. Yeah. So the air is just getting trapped at the top and spreading throughout. It, it's, it's just, ugh, ugh. But the next question. Yeah. Moving forward. Go ahead. Um, MTA question mark. Yeah, no. No, it's a dub. Um, We can just move on. No, because <laughs> I have some comments on the MTA. Like, the one time we were there, it seemed fine. Like, cleanliness felt better than before. The platform, like, they just redid our subway station, so that it was nice. Yeah, but that was already in the works before Rona. Right, but I would say, one, the MTA is... A terrible system. It's the best of the country, but it's still a terrible system because we were going from Queens to Brooklyn, which are literally adjacent to each other. And it took, what, an hour and a half, two hours? Yeah, because we had to go through the city. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Um, There should be a better way, but that's like a whole different conversation. Shout out Robert Moses, racist ass. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the way they're, they're closing it at one. So... Even before coronavirus, when if you were out late, 
you knew the MTA was going to be ass after midnight. Yeah. But before midnight, you were pretty okay. Like maybe 11 p.m. You're like. You're like cutting it close. Borderline. Because the subway just starts slowing down. It's not as frequent. Blah, 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 blah. But now it's like 9, 10. And the trains are like 20 minutes apart. Yeah. What the fuck is that? Like nobody can rely on you. Yeah. And you're still charging the same amount. Yeah. And they're still charging. That's the thing that gets me, right? Is like I'm still paying. How are you going to have limited services and charge the same amount? I'm paying $3. Yeah. For you, for, and the thing that pisses me off, right, is because the worst thing that can ever happen when you're trying to catch an MTA train it's is that it, you, it. you just fucking miss it. And it, it just goes off. Yeah. Right as you get to the doors, the doors close in your face and it just and then what's even worse than that is looking at the fucking sign and seeing the next train doesn't come for another 20 minutes. Yeah. And that happened to us twice. In a we row. were trying to get home in a fucking row. It was really So it ended up annoying. being like two hours. Yeah. And usually on a pre-Rona, you have a train coming in three minutes, five minutes, three minutes seven. seven minutes. Like they're frequent. That's what the MTA is for. even. 15 being, being like, a, like ugh. Ugh. yeah but 20 minutes consistently like that's fucked up it was so stupid yeah and like the buses are crowded and they started charging for buses again which for a minute they weren't charging and i didn't really yeah, realize are, how are they doing that i think it was they in effect the a couple front the front door i think so they've oh, implemented Lord. something damn i'm not sure but there there was an announcement about paying for buses again um and there's no enforcement. Like, you can get on the train without a mask. Nobody's going to tell you anything. Nobody's going to stop it's you. It's frowned upon. Like, maybe people around you will look at you funny and won't, will try to stay away from you because New Yorkers are smarter than most folks. But, yeah, still. It's a damn dirty shame. It really is. I mean, what was it? A friend was telling us about somebody smoking meth on a train during all of this. Yeah. But, I mean, that was already, well, you know. Smoke a little mess, smoke a little crack, smoke a cigarette or two. Yeah. But now that like the 1, 1 a.m. restriction is there, you have a lot of homeless people out on the street. Yeah. Like not having the trains to fall back on. Yeah. And it just creates a worse environment outside and just a restrictive environment in the MTA. Yeah. It just sucks. The MTA sucks. So that's your MTA update. And then when do you think you'll feel comfortable going out again? I've thought about this long and hard. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial response was like, never. Like once there's a vaccine and there's like zero cases happening, like then yeah. maybe. But now like everybody's starting to go outside. Things aren't really seeming to spike. So I'm thinking once schools open up, and children are going to school for about a month yeah. without a peak. Maybe then. Maybe. It's maybe. still a maybe. I'm like comfortable yeah. right now. I don't need to be going outside every single day yeah. to feel like normal. I'm fine. Yeah. I, I like going out on my bike rides and stuff. That yeah. like keeps me sane. But other than like other than that, and like I have been enjoying like seeing friends again. Not yeah. gonna lie, like it's very nice. It's it's nice not to be trapped in your own head and like to hear other people's, you know, hear how other people's days went instead of me and you just throwing the question back and forth, like like it's tennis. How was your day? How was your day? How was yeah. your day? You know. So I I'm enjoying it. I hope I hope like like with you, I'm waiting for 
I'm like sort of just waiting for the spike to come. And like, if it never comes, then I'm, I am, I think I am ready to like, yeah. you know, start my life again. And like, you know, I'm, I'm going to start putting out job applications or, you know, freshening up my resume, but I'm just sort of scared of like, you know, like I get a job and then like the week after I get a job, it like spikes and I still have to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. But it's cool. I'm also afraid of getting this disease. Like I'm also just like mostly just afraid of the the disease in general. Like, yeah. Because it, it sucked when we had it. And I don't think I, like I don't think nobody ever thinks they're going to die. And I don't I don't think that I would die. But it was very unpleasant. And I don't think that like my body is weaker. Right. This because of the first time I had it, like breathing is I don't exactly remember what it was like to breathe. But I do remember that after I had that that bout of Corona, breathing was harder. Yeah. Um, And so I'm like, I don't think that it would go well. Like Maybe this time I'd have it for two weeks. Some people like were having it for months, months and yeah. they just never stopped having it. Yeah. And the thing is, I I feel confident in my immune system to be able to battle, battle anything. But I also know of so many people and have heard of so many people with perfect immune systems, perfect health, fucking fitness people who got it and like suffered so much. Yeah. Like it hurt their bodies and like. I don't want that. I really yeah. don't want that. And I mean, that's also like, that's a, you know, a thing to think about is that we trust in our bodies so yeah. much because we're like used to our bodies. We're used to our, our bodies like being there for us. But then like, I don't know, hearing, hearing it, thinking of it from like an ableism point perspective, like I feel like this disease has really pointed that out that like you can't just rely on your body to always be there for you because yeah. a weird, wild disease will come out of nowhere and then you can't, your breathing capacity is halved. Right. You know? So, and I still, I still have this image of like somebody like when somebody died of Corona and they had their, like their lung dissected afterwards and it looked worse than smoker's lung. Yeah. You know? I have that. That image is like image burned into well. my brain. But. Yeah. And like seeing at first, cause it was attacking mainly older people. Yeah, so all the data that was coming out was um, protect the senior living facilities and things like that. And then 20-something years year olds, millennials, Just Gen started Z, dropping. they were out and about. I mean, the spring breakers in Miami. They still went on spring break. No, yeah. but everybody still went on spring break. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then two weeks later, a month later, you see those people in the hospital and a lot of 20-something year olds also died. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Stay and safe out there. If your state is open and yeah. your country's open, then I hope it's safely and I hope. You yeah. Know. I mean, there's also the whole thing that like the rest of the world is like fine normal now and it's just us in this ghetto ass country. Well, no, I think Latin America and like a lot of the Caribbean is still suffering. All right. The Americas. The Americas. The Americas is still mostly suffering, which has to do a lot with American imperialism anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it's you know, shame. it just sucks. But I'm specifically talking about this ghetto ass country. I'm not, you know, shout yeah. out to the South America. Fuck, fuck with y'all. I'm talking about this country, the U, the United States of America. Ugh, I hate this place. I hate this place so much. So... Listener questions? Listener questions. Listener questions. Listener <laughs> questions. So to this week, we only got one. 
If you want to send us your questions, oh, please send them to identitycrisispt at gmail.com. Ooh, look at you. You got it. Yeah, I know. I know my show. Well, you didn't like. Okay. I didn't get it that one Listener day. questions. So this week we only have one, um, but I, I think it, it's, a, it's a two-parter. Okay. Go. All right. <clears throat> so <coughs> how did you meet? And do you have discussions about the challenges that within that exist within Latinx and black communities and their differences slash similarities. So I'll go over quickly how we met. Yeah. We are, we've already gone over this. You can go back to episode one. Did we do it in episode one? I think so. Okay. This time I'll do it for you guys in HD sound. So um, I went to pre-college. Pamela was uh, TAing at pre-college. We sort of saw each other there. So when I came to actual college, um, I was like, yo, where the gay bitch is at? And somebody was like, oh, Pam gets gay when she's drunk. So I was like, bet, 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 bet. And then I found Pamela and I was like, oh, snap, Pamela from pre-college. And then the guy was like, oh, shit, you found her. Um, and then she spent the next year eye fucking the shit out of me um, all across campus. I was but saying hello with my eyes. She was, she was saying more than that. But, yeah, but while maintaining that she wouldn't fuck me because I was a freshman. And then I became not a freshman anymore. And the rest is kind of history. Yeah, we moved in together a year later, I think. Yeah, which is kind of late for for the gays. Yeah, but um, so that's how we met, and then yeah. moving on to secondary question: uh, Do you have discussions about the challenges that exist within Latinx and Black communities and their differences slash similarities? Absolutely. Yeah, I think all the time. so. We when we first started hanging out. We weren't uh, exclusive at all or really looking for a relationship, either of us. Yeah. Uh, And there was one time specifically, I remember it was after a night that we like brunch together or like breakfast. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We went to Clinton. We went to Clinton Park Cafe. Shout out. R.I.P. R.I.P. And we like had a burger or something for breakfast. Yeah. We had burgers. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we just sat there and talked and talked for hours and talked so long yeah and it was mostly just about our upbringing and i think about police brutality and yeah our cultures yeah and i i would say that like um that's what started us off that's where that's where, yeah that's what started us off but we've always been good about talking i remember like one time specifically you would like it was just like a comment you made and it kind of came across as like colorist to me and so I told you about it. I told you how I felt about it. And then we had a conversation after that point, you know, and we were able to discuss. And so I feel like we've always had discussions about like the differences between like, you know, that sort of thing. Absolutely. To this day, we still do. Like, I think last night we stayed up hours just talking about our, our different upbringings. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about similarities and differences. Yeah. But I think, okay. How we've experienced the world. But what I think this question is getting at, though, is that these communities are often put at sort of opposing sides of each other. Oh. And that there is some hostilities. Yeah. From both sides, but let's not pretend like anti-blackness isn't, you know, very prevalent in Latinx communities. I get a lot of anti-immigrant sentiments from black community as well. Yeah. Which is fair because yeah. we're American and yeah. this country is very anti-immigrant. So I I can understand both. Yeah. But I think personally, I, I mean, I grew up around 
brown people in Miami. And then when I moved to Georgia, it was like black and white. And I always gravitated and related more to black people. Mm -hmm. And so, and I felt like our cultures are very similar and just in culture, I'm thinking like art and music and things we can kind of relate to. Cause I think in Miami we're listening to the same music. Yeah. Um, I didn't relate to white people at all. <laughs> and yeah. so I kind of found like a community in black people. So I, when we talk about that differences and those tensions, I think, I can 100%, I don't know, see your side or, like, yeah. understand. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, and, like, me growing up in Richmond, Virginia, like, obviously, like, people are very anti-immigrant. So, like, it's not hard for me to see that that yeah. side of perspective of it. But, yeah. Yeah, I think there was one day, because a lot of times we talk about anti-blackness and we talk about the black American experience and we talk about minority experience in america and it it wasn't until i told you about my immigrant story and like how that's affected me that we were able to open up and have deeper conversations and it wasn't just like i think there were points where you were like no i'm black like you'll never understand right like the oppression and blah 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 and i was like no 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 let me tell you like (laughs) yeah I mean, they're different things, but they're I, different yeah, things. They're different things because I think that like hating twelve is really where that like you know where where we meet where the two like the if you do the shaking hands meme and it's like you know the yeah. police force in America that's where the com- communities really can get behind each other. For me, my whole thing was I was always just like if if all of the minorities of America came together, we could overpower the white people. Yeah. And that was always, that's always my goal is I'm like, I would rather be peaceful with this community. So that way when the time comes, we can overthrow the white people. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that sentiment, but it's also about understanding each other's backgrounds. And I think we do that. We try to do that with each other. Yeah. Maybe that is a conversation we need to have. Cause I do feel like the, the racism that is throughout the entire diaspora of of Latinos like is because like I don't know I feel like the anti-immigrantness and I'd like for you to to clarify this point the an- anti-immigrantness isn't inherent in black culture in the way that anti-blackness is inherent in Latin Latinx culture like I Latinx people re- refuse to believe that black people exist in their communities yeah they, like ignore that and I feel like that's I mean different I, than anti-immigrant sentiments right and also ignorance, because it's really an ignorance thing. It's black people, an ignorance Black people thing. who were brought to this country in slaves don't know, sh- in chains, don't know shit about the immigration process in this country. We just don't, because yeah. we didn't immigrate here. So I, th- I think that there's like a conversation to be had there that could be helpful. I think you're right. You're right. Uh, I think anti-blackness is very inherent in Latino culture in the same, not same, similar way that it is in white culture. Yeah. Uh, where it's not really thought of and it's more like microaggressions and it's more apparent in colorism, like uh, verbiage yeah. than it is. I think the anti-immigrant, like you're, you're right. Yeah, it's more ignorance than it is anti-a person, anti-a group. Yeah, I would say because 
Because when I think about it, I'm like the way white Americans think about immigrants. Like I've had, like I know for a fact, I was on a bus with this girl who like would be like xenophobic towards yeah. the like it, they were uh, South Asian, but like the South Asian people on the bus, she'd be like, "Damn immigrants!" and like, and like it was very ignorant. It was very like hateful and ignorant, but out of nowhere. So it's yeah. like, it's not like I'm like, oh, like it doesn't it doesn't happen, but like the way in which white people like hate immigrants and like everything different it's like i feel like it's just yeah different i don't know it's more hateful it's more like i hate these people for existing as opposed to i just don't understand yeah these people and like how they came to be here but i think anybody with any prejudice it always comes off more hateful than it does ignorant like does that make sense that the way they express not knowing is usually oftentimes as slurs or no that's what that's what i'm saying the difference like i feel like with with white people it comes off as slurs when when i'm around my black like black friends and stuff that like don't know like when i'm back home in virginia it's like people just don't understand like i think if you were to tell like my brother the immigration process he'd be like oh shit you for real like i don't think that they understand like the hoops and nets that you have to go through to just be here Right. And I think that that then, because they don't understand that process, turns into a whole other thing. As opposed to white people just like, they, they hate Italians and like Irish people. Like they just like, they just hateful. They just hate others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right in that. But I will say like, when I felt anti-immigrant like sentiments, yeah, it's colorless like yeah, it's anybody <laughs> it's anybody yeah. and it's very much like dumb things like little microaggressions little like oh you should speak english in this country oh if you true. could just always go back or um little little things like that no that's true my mom and that says, comes like, from says shit like that like the the like you should speak english in this country and i'm like yeah we didn't speak english when we were brought here and changed but no, you're yeah, that's true. Right. And the then it, microaggressions. And in the workforce, like the way immigrants are seen as opposed like from anybody. Yeah. No, it's just like, oh, you shouldn't be here, or like, oh, are you legal? Like I got those questions all the time. Like, how did you come to this country? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. From anybody. Mm. That's true. Yeah. And I don't think that's like ingrained in the same way anti blackness is, but I think the ignorance does come off as like hateful yeah that's fair like you can't really i think the best way to express ignorance is hey i don't know about this thing can you please explain it but nobody does that (laughs) (laughs) like nobody will admit to being ignorant about something unless they're not ignorant well you're not ignorant well that's true but i I try not to be it because i am ignorant of a lot of shit well yeah but you're you acknowledge like put me on you know yeah yeah no, and I think true. ignorant people don't like have the <laughs> words. Like, put me off. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So let's move on because I think I think that we kind of wrap that one up. I hope so. Um, I think I think that we have. We said something somewhere in there, and I, we should just move on. Okay. So current events. Fun. Uh, yesterday marked the 100th day of protests. It's lit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's lit. Fuck the U.S. 12. government. Fuck 12. Uh, free all of my people. Um, and suck a dick. <laughs> and so the next one, um, colorism. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So I've been seeing a lot of Twitter conversation 
coming from the light skins, me, me, myself being a lighter skinned black person, but also just like, I usually stay out of the color wars because I'm like, mm, not my, not my business. Yeah. But this time I just can't help myself. I just really feel like light skinned people should stop speaking. Yeah. Like, I really think that everything that light skinned people say about colorism is wrong. And like, I want to be one of the light skinned people to say at least a couple things right about colorism, which is that dark skinned people, like racism is a sliding scale. And if you're black, you're already on the far end of it. Like you're already going to get it. But the darker you are, the further down that sliding scale you get. Because the the further, like the the harder it is for you to get away from blackness and get close to whiteness. For me, me being lighter, especially in the winter, specifically in the winter, I get light enough where people usually think I'm mixed. Or Puerto Rican. Or Puerto Rican or Dominican or any of the other Latinx countries. And then they are like, oh, you can't speak Spanish. Never mind. But especially if I if I cut my hair. The thing is, is that my hair, I have 4C hair. So obviously my hair right now being in an afro. Nobody's going to think that I'm, nobody's going to think that I'm mixed one. I immediately stop getting mixed. I think I the last time somebody thought I was mixed, meaning mixed with white and black was when I was straightening my hair back in like high school. Mm. After that, I, after I stopped doing that. No, nothing. Never. Nobody's ever been like, oh, my God, are you mixed with white? They don't say it that way. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Mixed. Yeah. The people now usually will be like, oh, you're some sort of Latinx. And I'm like, I'm really not. <laughs> I have Haitian yeah. lineage if you want to count that. Yeah, that's once people just um yeah. once people learned that Lat- Latinos come in all shades, they were they like They were like anybody can be them. <laughs> anybody can get it. No, so yeah. but I mean I have always people have always thought that I was some sort of Latinx. My mother, people used to think she was Puerto Rican when we were living in Manassas or not Puerto Rican, but like Yeah. like a lighter skinned Hispanic person. And so, you know, my mother ingrained in me a lot of colorism yeah a lot of anti-black because it's not even colorism but like my mom just thinks that she's so cute because she's got these colonizer curls and that i and that that my hair is so nappy and messy and bad because i have 4c hair and i'm like first of all you should have seen the hair that of the man that you had sex with because you can't like you these genes are strong you know what i'm saying but i think that it, what i really want to say about colorism is that light-skinned people should shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah. Because dark skinned people, the the when you look at TV and the representation of black people, you can see that since the 90s, it's only gotten lighter. To the point now where you got white girls who get one like a couple shades darker foundation and now they're black passing somehow. When that's not true. They they don't they don't look like black people because they could never look like black people because they aren't black people. Yeah. But because representation is that all of these light skinned people, all of these half black people, which if you're half black, there is a conversation to be had if 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 you because you're half black, you have two experiences. You if if you're raised by white people, that gets rid of a lot of black experience because you're being raised by white people, and I think that. In America, we have this one drop rule thing where it's if you're one drop of black, then all of a sudden you're black. But I think that, it, that it's time we have a, a little bit more complex of a conversation about it because you start erasing people's actual identities. If you're mixed, you're mixed. You have two different cultures. Like, I think that we, we should talk about that and have those people able to share their cultures instead of being like, oh, well, you're just black. Yeah. Because then you also run into the issue where now we have all of these mixed people representing black people 
to the point where now people only think that you're if you're if you're actually black, if you're dark skinned, you're too black to be presented as black. Right. And we have to have these these light skinned Zoe Saldana, Zoe Kravitz looking women who represent black women. It's like, no, I'm sick of that. I'm also sick of every time, every time you bring up colorism to light skinned people, they want to be on some shit like, oh, you're just mad at me because I'm pretty. That statement right there is anti-black as fuck. We're not mad at you because you're pretty. Yeah. Because first of all, you're probably not that pretty. You're just light skinned. Relax. Yeah. I had like my aunt like commented on my Instagram and like I was very, it was very like unassuming, but she's light skinned. And she was just like, oh, I like I posted something about Zoe Saldana playing Nina Simone. And she was like, oh, well, I just, you know, I just don't think that we should be separating each other, blah, blah, blah. We're not separating each other. We're recognizing the difference in our experiences. That's super important. And that's super important. So we're not erasing people's identities. Yeah. A dark skin, a dark skinned black person is going to have a harder, a harder time existing in this racist ass country. Yeah. Than my lighter skinned ass. And my lighter skin, even lighter than me, mother, had an even less harder time. And she still had a hard time. Like, yeah. I don't think that that talking about the differences in our experience is going to somehow erase our oppression. Exactly. I mean, it's the it comes down to. In every people, we compare our struggles and we're always trying to one up each other like, oh, I had it worse. I had it worse. No, I had it worse because of this, 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 this. No, like nobody has a good time in life. Nobody has a good point time blank, period. And it's important for you to recognize whatever privilege you do have. Right. And also recognize that you have struggled in whatever way. But that other people do have it worse. It doesn't mean that you didn't experience what you experienced. It just means yeah. that you have a certain amount of privilege that you should recognize. Exactly. So. I mean, yeah. We see it with Latino culture as well. Like the darker skinned Latinos to the lighter skinned Latinos. Like you see a novella and it's full of white Latinos. Right. Full of white Latinos. Even blonde Latinos. And it's like. Yeah. And they're just white. They're just well, that's that's also another because black people can be light and they're still not going to be white. Yeah. However, like Latinos. Latinos can actually be white. Yeah. <laughs> or they can be just like lighter. The race question in Latinos is very difficult. There are white Latinos, but white just means European. Right. right? And the majority of Latinos fall under a category mestizos, which is mixed. But it's mixed with literally everything. Right. <laughs> and it's mainly indigenous and European. Um, and, and like you see my color and that's kind of makes sense. There's also um, mulatto Latinos, which are black and European. And there's also black Latinos. It's just kind of. There's a lot of stuff. It's going a variety. On. Yeah. But a lot of the Latinos you see on TV are white. And we're just now beginning to have the conversation of like darker skinned Latinos. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. So that's colorism. And then the last story, it's a it's a very good story. It's a very lovely story. Oh. I'm just going to read the headline for you. <laughs> At least four boats sink during oh, Trump God. boat parade. You're so rude. <laughs> no, nobody died. First of all, before you try to cancel, nobody died, okay. unfortunately. It was just karma. Yeah, their boats just sank. <laughs> and I just think it's hilarious. There's this amazing picture. I encourage you all to look up this headline. There's this amazing picture of like two boats just being overdone by some waves and they've got all the Trump shit on the sails. They got all the Trump flag, Trump 2020, make America greater, blah, 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 blah. I love licking boots. All of that shit. 
And their boat is just being overtook by Mama Ocean. And I just love that shit. That's like, really just, funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes I mean, me I so saw happy. I saw when the boat parties were going to happen or something. And somebody was like, oh, they should all go to Lake Lanier in Georgia. And it's this lake that's like man-made and like super haunted. And people die there all the fucking time. <laughs> shit. I don't know why people still go to that lake. I used to go to that lake, but I had no idea. And now that I do know, I'm like, I'll never go to that lake again. But uh, they were encouraging Trump people to do yeah, their no, boat Lake parties. Yeah, Lake is literally trending right now. Oh, really? Yes. That's really funny. Yeah, that was like nearby where I lived in Georgia. Yeah. So, um, fuck you to everybody who went on their boat in in, in uh, celebration of Trump and I then just, got their shit fucking stolen by the ocean. I just think that's so funny. I think anybody who owns a Trump flag, like there's a little... There's more of a racist bone to your body than you would like to think. Like, you spend money on a giant flag to tell people you hate them. And that then, flag was made in China. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's very important for everyone to realize that all of Trump's merch is made in China. Yeah. I mean, just having Trump merch is, Trump merch is very odd. Second, having multiple Trump merch is very fucking odd. I mean, and by having, that point, you're like full Nazi. I don't think that. And having a bunch of Trump merch and a boat. <laughs> yeah. Like, go ahead and think. It's fine. Yeah. No, I think it's also just this isn't has to do with this news story, but I think that it's important for me to say this and get this off my chest. Stop making different versions of the fucking Trump hat, please. Yeah. That red fucking hat. It's triggering. It's so stupid. Like, it was, like, literally one that was, like, major look, Black Lives Matter. And it's, like... I think LeBron had that on. And it's, like, okay. It's, like... Okay, I thought we got so over that edgy, four years ago. Right? Like, this was four years... Like, four I have a fucking Trump hat that I, like, found on Pratt's campus that says, make my pussy safe again. But it's black. It's not red. And I'd never wear it because it's just too much for me. Yeah. But, like, it was funny then... Now, four years later, after he let almost 200,000 American citizens, like, die, American people die. And how much, like, um, sympathy he's had for Nazis and... Yeah, like, he's just... mm -mm, I don't know. It's a no. It's a no for me. So just no more of those weird-ass fucking hats. It's triggering. Anytime I see a red hat, I'm like, this person's gonna hate me in my existence. a big-ass fucking fuck you to, what is it, Hulu for doing that Breonna Taylor documentary. I will not be watching it. I encourage nobody else to fucking watch it. The family's already like, fuck that. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, shit, I don't know. We should look that one up because I, like, saw positive. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I truthfully don't. I am really annoyed with everybody and this whole Breonna Taylor thing. I, yeah. She still hasn't had justice. So for me, for there to be a documentary coming out, I mean, if her, you know what? If it is that her family is getting some money from this, then I guess sure, fine. But if these are just white executives making money off of this dead black woman's name, I just can't do it. I like saw somebody had Breonna Taylor earrings in. India Moore had some Breonna Taylor earrings. I, I just don't fuck with it. I really think that fucking Tiana How Taylor, are you gonna make her Tiana merch? Taylor dressed up as Breonna Taylor. Tiana, am I saying Tiana that? Tiana Taylor dressed, dressed up, up as, as Breonna, Breonna Taylor. Taylor for her music video, her latest music video. She also dressed up as George Floyd and Trayvon Martin and all of these other dead black people so she can make money off of her fucking music video. So she can she can get sales for her fucking music. And I hope that all oh, that shit that, flops. That also reminds me of, what's that fucking, Sean, nah, I don't know. Sean Mendes? No, no, no. That, Sean King? Yes. Though that white man? 
Is he a white man? He's pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's a white man. Everybody's pretty. He's a white man. Talk him X. Okay. Didn't he try to sell something like the day after Chadwick Boseman died? Probably. I do not. I do not pay attention to that white man. Okay. Well, (laughs) people suck. People suck. Celebrity suck. I really need you guys to stop giving these people money because there was also a story in which some fucking landlord trashed his own apartment building and claimed his tenant did it but it was like clear in the video that he like bought like he took out his own window frames and broke them himself and like only put one hole in one tiny closet door wall like it was just clear that like and made money yeah and he made forty thousand dollars y'all gave him forty thousand dollars during a pandemic to a landlord while evictions are happening this month are you fucking out of your mind I would like that money. I could use that fucking money. So yeah, half of it of could go to my goddamn ones. landlord so she can get off my back. How dare you? That wasn't even on the news. I just, just remembered that that happened and yeah. I just hate you. I hate you all for in your fucking GoFundMes. But you can't give money to trans black people. You can't give money to trans black people who are being evicted. But you can give money to this fucking landlord. landlord That's fucking dumb. That faked this shit. Y'all are goofy. <sighs> Let's move on. Let's move well, on. Well, that's that's it. That's okay. that for the current events. And so now it brings us to the part where we say what we're going to do next week. And let's make it realistic this time so we'll actually follow it. I mean, I think that I really want to do this painting. And I think that it's possible for me to do it. And I'm going to hold myself to doing it within okay. the next seven days. Okay. Now it's your turn. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm gonna. You're gonna. Bike every day. Every day. Every day. Oh, okay. I'm going to go out with you on the bike. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. We'll mix in some morning rides and some night rides, though, because I like to ride during the day, and you don't get yeah, out of work I- until late. Yeah. So we're going to have to wake up early. You can suck my dick from the back. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So All with right, that guys. being said, bye. Do you want to talk about a little setup I love? We should talk about it. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys, if you heard a little bit of a quality difference this episode. Especially Hopefully if you go back, you if you go back to our Shark Week episode. That was terrible quality. I'm so sorry. It was the worst so episode ever. But it was really funny. And so we're keeping it. But quality wise? But quality wise, it, it was, was terrible. Ass. And so if you go back to that episode and then immediately come back to this episode, you'll hear a little difference. We have a new setup. We bought, we've invested some chairs. We got some chairs. We got some uh, mic stands going yeah. on. We've got... And we're not recording on our bed anymore. We're not recording on our bed anymore. We've we're, got a little table situation. Yeah. We're like professionals. Almost. Yeah. Almost. And thank you so much for all of you guys' support. Thanks we plan so much on doing for the support. this. Thanks for so much for your, pretty your donations. Long time. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for listening. We love you guys. Have a nice little week or whatever. And listen to us next week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.